Hello and welcome to Dive Into Development. My name is Chris Davis and joining me this week is the founder and director of Liberty Point. It's Justin Terranova. How's it going, Justin? Good. How are you, Chris? Thanks for having me. I appreciate being with you today and talking about our club. Yeah, no, I'm doing great. Thank you for joining me. I'm excited to learn more and more about clubs. And uh, I think to date you are the club that's the furthest from uh, the Charlotte area, which is where I'm out of. So I'm excited about to learn about some places outside of the Queen City. Um, So uh, the first question I always do before we jump into the club itself is to get to know who I'm talking with. Uh, so what would you say is like your soccer origin story or how you got into soccer, stuff like that? Okay. Um, well, uh, I was born in New York city and raised in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the little town that I grew up outside of New York city is about 60 miles North of New York city and, uh, grew up, uh, being, being brought to New York Cosmos games when I was a young child and indoor games with the New York Arrows and uh, just was lucky enough to be born into a hotbed of soccer. Uh, there was a coach named Alcino Denez, who's Portuguese, who was the coach of Ridgefield High School for over 30 years. And mm-hmm. that's where I went to school and graduated from. But he created a little hotbed of, of soccer players uh, before me. And I was inspired by all the success that that high school team had had when I was a child and inspired to play soccer in, in my town and, and always wanted to play on the varsity team for Alcino Denez. And, you know, they had great players like Kurt Anolfo who's now the um, head coach of New England Revolution 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had won state championships prior to my arrival at Richfield as, as a varsity player and then ended up playing. I played four years for Alcino and had some success. Didn't win a state championship, but won uh, county championships. And then, you know, that success and, and that experience – allowed me to go on a tour of Europe when I was 17. And I happened to be coached by Matt Fuhr and Sean Reed, who were two college soccer players uh, from Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, Sean played for UNCG. Matt was a resident of Greensboro. And they both encouraged me to come to UNCG. Mm -hmm. And so that was where I was kind of destined to go to college, uh, went on the visit and met with, uh, Michael Parker, who was, you know, obviously a very, if, if you know anything about college soccer, uh, one of the most successful college soccer coaches ever was national champion at Lock Haven. And then of course was a national champion at UNCG. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I went on my visit, met with Michael, uh, told me I, could be on the team um, that I might play as a junior or senior. And of course, being, you know, the northerner that I was, uh, was inspired to play right away. And I told him that. And he said, well, if you want to play right away, you need to go down the road to Fayetteville, North Carolina and meet with Alan Dawson. Uh-huh. Who Alan Dawson was Michael Parker's assistant coach at UNCG, and he had just taken over Methodist University. And so 
long story short, Allen played at Lockhaven, was the national champion there with Trevor Dare, who uh, was eventually the coach of Brown and Clemson. And obviously I came to Methodist to play for Allen Dawson. And again, was just right place, right time with, with a great mentor who had a great program. And uh, while I was here, started for four years, won four conference championships, played in four NCAA tournaments, uh, made it to the quarterfinals as a freshman, the NCAA tournament first round sophomore and junior year. And then as a senior, uh, we were ranked number one in the nation in Division Three, and made it to the national championship game. Unfortunately, we lost in the championship game. We were undefeated. 21 and 0 going into the national championship game. And we lost two to one to Williams from Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously had a lucky uh, also, uh, you know, right place, right time in terms of being a player with, with uh, being in the programs that I was in high school and college, but I always wanted to coach youth players. And I did that every summer when I was, you know, younger at camps and, um, Alan gave me a chance to be an assistant coach when he jumped to division one in 1998. So I was lucky enough to be a volunteer assistant coach at old dominion university in, um, Norfolk, Virginia for four years from 1998 to 2001. Yeah eventually becoming second assistant goalkeeper coach. And then in 2002, when my job currently came open at Methodist University, I applied and became the head coach of my alma mater when I was 27. Wow. Um, so now I'm 47. I'm going into my 20th year, uh, about to win my 200th game next year. Uh, we've won two conference championship tournaments, one regular season. We've been in the NCAA tournament two times. Uh, we've produced hundreds of all-conference players, All-American, uh, several player of the year, rookie of the years. And uh, in the course of time, of course, my wife, Jeanette, who graduated from Methodist, and we had two children here in Fayetteville, and now mm -hmm. they're both soccer players. And that is the impetus of why Liberty Point is here, mm -hmm. because I was the director of Fable Soccer Club for six years. And um, at one point when my child was born and I was coaching him as a rec player, I felt like it was time to, to give the community something new and mm -hmm. something different. And so in 2011, my son Samuel was seven and uh, U.S. club soccer had just kind of come on the scene on the East Coast. And so what we decided to do was start a club from scratch with U.S. club backing us and being our, our member organization. And so in 2011, June, we we brought Liberty Point uh, to together uh, with my friend Brian Mayday, who was my assistant coach and now is the women's coach here at Methodist. Uh, we started Liberty Point with 37 kids in 2011. 
And of course, you know, my son Samuel was on the first team and, you know, the first couple of years was lean, but we grew and we didn't win any tournaments mm-hmm. uh, for about two or three years. And then about three years into it, uh, we started to win tournaments with Samuel's team, which was called the Liberty Point Soccer Club Sounders. And they were basically an 04 age group. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went on to win 11 tournaments for the club wow. all across Carolina. Uh, they were ranked as high as number three on Got Soccer in North Carolina. And of course, with, you know, North Carolina Football Club, which was then Castle and Charlotte, you know, to have such a small club be at such a high level, you know, was was something that gave us a lot of accreditation. And, you know, since then, we've grown to as many as 200 kids. Of course, the pandemic hurt us a little bit, but um, we're a small club with two directors that are super qualified. Um, I have my A license and Brian has his B license. And obviously we're both college soccer coaches. And so we give whatever free time we have to the club um, for training and for matches. And so obviously my daughter, Olivia joined the club as well. Um, Samuel has since moved on to play for North Carolina football club and was in uh, the academy program for five years and now just signed professional contract with the first team. Cool. And Olivia is with elite. Uh, she's a th- on the third level of North Carolina football club, but we have continually produced players here at Liberty point that have gone on to play for North Carolina football club for various clubs, uh, including Fayetteville soccer club, wake FC, uh, different clubs across, you know, the southeastern part of North Carolina. And I think that's pretty much, you know, that's our niche. We, we develop players, we develop coaches. Uh, we've, we've done that as well. You know, coaches that have played for me here at Methodist have coached our teams. Um, girls players that have played for Methodist have coached our teams. Uh, we've produced coaches that have gone on to other clubs, not only in the state, but across the nation. So, you know, I think what we have here is a club that's probably one of the oldest U.S. clubs in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many others are that old. Mm -hmm. I I know we're the oldest club in the the Carolina Champions League. Mm. And, you know, we've played in various leagues on our way through our maturation, but Obviously, Carolina Champions League is the best um, league that we have been able to be a part of. And, you know, that's a huge credit to Nathan and his crew and obviously Ahmed who are doing a great job um, and making it a professional environment for development for for children in North Carolina. And I hope, and I think it'll keep growing Mm -hmm. and should be successful, but you know, Liberty points proud to be in our going in our 10th year and proud to be part of the Carolina champions league. Yeah. um, It's amazing to me how like uh, pretty much everyone I've talked with, and I I don't know um, uh, if it's because I am from the league, but they always talk about, you know, ways that the league has, 
help the club and it's a good environment and all that. And it's really good to, to hear and to see uh, someone like me, like a big part of why I do, do this podcast and why I joined the, the league for my internship was to learn more about youth soccer. Cause I didn't really experience it as a kid. I was more into basketball when I was younger, but um, you said a lot of things there, but uh, one thing I kind of wanted to ask was you mentioned that, you know, your son was in, uh, I want to say it was a Fayetteville soccer club and you felt like when he was young that it needed something different. Uh, how is Liberty Point a different type of soccer club? I mean, when when my son was young, there was no other choice. I mean, mm-hmm. we put we had to play for Fayetteville Soccer Club because there was no other club in our city. Um, so we were playing rec, and you know, you know, parents the way that sometimes they they act. Um, I really wasn't real happy with how the club wasn't controlling uh, the influence of of parents and how mm-hmm. they act at games and you know they're just reckless abandon of how they talk to their children and treat their children so I felt there was a better way to be in control of that aspect mm-hmm. and that was one of the reasons why we decided to start Liberty Point is because we thought we could not only educate players and coaches but we could help educate parents and we were not scared to, to tell them, okay, this is how you help your child by being this way when you come to the game. You know, you're not yelling at referees. You're not telling the coach what to do. You know, you're not yelling at your child and you're not. And when you're talking to the child after the game, this is what you should say. This is how you should help develop your child. Mm-hmm. So we felt like it was really important that we not only develop players, but coach the coaches and then coach the parents essentially on how we can help you move your child forward. And that's an endless battle, but I think being in control of that uh, was really important to me and Brian. And I felt like uh, when you have a board of directors, they're constantly, you know, playing the puppet master. Mm-hmm. And so we were looking to eliminate uh that aspect of it and i think that's what helps make us different than other clubs Hmm. so it's more like rather than just focus on a kid kind of focusing on the families and being a little more inclusive that way to not only help the development of the kid but you know just to make it a more peaceful environment it sounds like huh yeah i mean you know how youth sports is it can become so uh combative and uh you know, kind of stressful and, and that environment does not develop children. So, you know, one of the things I think the champions league does really well is helps control that environment Mm -hmm. and is not afraid to like levy um, fines or tell people, Hey, you got to stand down or Mm -hmm. can't do this at games or whatever it is that happens when it's not good. Uh, But so many times, leagues just kind of turn their their back to that but that's not what we do here in the champions league we're we're trying to create a professional environment and Mm -hmm. we're really supportive of that we think that that's really important for the children and you know of course it's not easy to to make that happen and of course everybody has bumps in the road yeah every weekend but i mean we're a we're a club and we're with a league that that feels that that's really important 
And so I'm really happy to, to say that I think we're developing not only players, but coaches and families to try to give the kids the best environment that they can have to be mm-hmm. successful. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I just imagine uh, my experience with youth sport personally is just I kind of played basketball in high school. That was about it. So it wasn't as intense. But I imagine uh, for some kids, you know, if you have parents just kind of yelling, you're just going to be like, well, I just don't want to play anymore. So creating a more positive environment is definitely, you know, awesome and important. Um, I am curious. I love it when a club doesn't just call themselves, you know, like City Soccer Club or City United. Um, so I was curious, where did the name Liberty Point come from? Great question. And I think it's very unique uh, mm-hmm. for our club because, like you said, you know, you got North Carolina Football Club. Well, we live in North Carolina, so that mm-hmm. wasn't a hard one. You know, you got Fayetteville Soccer Club. So, yeah, we know we live in Fayetteville. But mm-hmm. what we did is we researched our community and we looked for some history because we feel like uh, we wanted to tie ourselves to the community in a way that is historical. And, and I'm a lover of history. And I feel like every club around the world, there's a reason why their name is that. And if you research that club, you'll find the stories behind why they're called that. Mm-hmm. And so our story is this. Um, Fayetteville was actually... Um, a very important part of history of the development of North Carolina. Hmm. It was actually meant to be the capital of North Carolina. And during the revolutionary war, uh, we were the center of basically this is so before the declaration of independence was signed, Uh the first document that said we're, we're basically not supporting the crown we're not supporting taxation without representation was called the Liberty Point Resolves. Mm. And that document was signed in Fayetteville, North Carolina in 1774. Mm. So there was 45 citizens of this community that signed that document. And many, many people, historians say that the Liberty Point Resolves was basically the outline for the Declaration of Independence. Hmm. And so it was actually signed in our city. And there's actually a historical building downtown called the Liberty Point Building. And it's mm-hmm. the oldest standing building in our city. And so we researched our history of the city and we found this um, you know, history to be very inspiring. And we felt like being that we were a new club and we were kind of, I don't know what you want to say, maybe the rebel club at that time. Mm-hmm. So it kind of fit us perfectly. And, uh, you know, we took Liberty Point and put soccer club on it and we created a logo that ties us to the city because as you might know, Fayetteville is the home of Fort Bragg, which is yeah. the largest military installation in the world it's considered the second pentagon pretty much wow i didn't know that i knew it was a pretty big place but i didn't know it was like that massive yeah i mean we have 12 generals that are are stationed here and they work every day in a in a building that's just barely 
a little bit smaller than the Pentagon. It's a massive mm. building. And so we wanted to tie the military to our club as well. So we felt like the Eagle was a sign of freedom mm. and it was an easy uh, way to connect Liberty Point and the history behind that story and the military town and make the Eagle with the soccer ball in its, in its, you know, talons as uh, our symbol. And we have never changed our logo. It's been our logo since we started. A lot of clubs change their logos and, mm -hmm. you know, regenerate themselves, but we've, we've kind of stuck with it. Um, so it's a great story. You know, it's kind of inspiring. We have it on our webpage. Uh, I don't know how many people know why we're called Liberty Point, but but that's the story of it. That's awesome. I, I, I love it whenever uh, a club decides to try to connect more with their community than identify themselves to everyone else around. Like um, it just reminds me of a um, USL League Two team up in Newport News, Virginia. They're called Lions Bridge, like just Lions Bridge FC. And yeah. if you aren't from there, you don't know that it's in Virginia or why it's called that. And I asked the founder about that and it was a similar thing, not quite back as far back historical as yours, uh, but it's like an iconic bridge that they have that was built. And I want to say like 1932 or so. And it's a kind of a little tourist attraction for the area. And uh, I just love that because it's something that means a whole lot to your community. And, um, you know, if people on the outside want to look it up, they can, or if not, it doesn't really affect y'all yeah. cause it's more about connecting with your community. So that's pretty yeah, cool funny. i mean we're connected to lions bridge i am really? at least uh jamie gunderson is one of their players mm -hmm. and jamie played for me here at methodist awesome. and jamie the head coach of christopher newport women which mm -hmm. is there in newport news and one of their players is also tenant mcveigh who's mm -hmm. the assistant coach of old dominion and obviously alan my my mentor alan dawson is still the head coach of old dominion and tenant is his assistant so yeah i mean i i know i know those guys really well so it's a small <laughs> soccer ball. yeah it really is that's awesome yeah uh they, they were definitely one of the ones that because i used to kind of look more into uh like league two and npsl clubs in our area and that was probably the only one i really focused on outside of the carolinas just because they played a lot of our guys and they just really impressed me whenever i learned more about them so that, that's that's just funny it's a small soccer world so I can't help but notice the Brazil jersey right above you is pretty much the same colors as Liberty Point. Is there any connection there or is that just a coincidence? Um, actually, Methodist University's colors are green and gold, as oh, you can okay. see in the jacket. Mm -hmm. And so it was an easy choice for me since mm -hmm. I'm an alum to make the club the same colors. Mm -hmm. And we've evolved our uniforms. I mean, Adidas doesn't always make a a green jersey or a yellow jersey so you know our logo has the green and gold in it but mm -hmm. we go with the basic white jersey a lot of the times because we're trying to keep the cost down for families yeah. so we're using like basic low level uniforms that adidas creates which are very durable yeah um, and they they do last but you know they're they're economical as well so you know the, the actual jersey colors are not always green and gold but the logo is mm -hmm. and so the brazil jersey behind me uh, you know it's just coincidence that it's green and gold <laughs> obviously but um i was actually lucky enough to meet pele mm -hmm. um my sister jenna terranova 
Um, she was the curator of the Tribeca Film Festival in New York. Oh. And before she moved on to now she's with Amazon. She's the director of, of films wow. on Amazon. But uh, she curated the movie Pele, Birth of a Legend. Mm-hmm. And she premiered it at the Tribeca Film Festival. And she got a lot of grief for that because the Tribeca Film Festival is supposed to be like more like about it, it's not like autobiography yeah. movies they were a little like more artsy creative. yeah yeah movie so she she knew she was leaving and she didn't oh, tell anyone see. she decided she was gonna debut this movie kind of like as a family thing because she was about to move on mm-hmm. and so she invited our entire family to new york city and we knew that pele was going to be there to debut the movie and uh it was a magical moment in my life and my family's life we were in the green room about a half an hour before the movie was about to start and there was like a buzz that he was here he was here Mm -hmm. and so he walked into the room with his wife behind him and two bodyguards and he had like a cane and he came in the door and when he came in the door he put his cane on the chair and he waved to my son who was, I believe he was, I think he was 11 at that time. Mm-hmm. And he said, come over, like wave to him and put his arm around Samuel. And they walked across the room and sat down at the table. And I just started crying <laughs> and everybody, all, everyone in my family was just crying and so my daughter and Samuel got to go sit next to him and they had a jersey and they had some books and they sat next to him and he signed everything mm-hmm. and he just sat there and talked to them. And I knew that I was going to get to ask him a question. Mm-hmm. So I thought for months and months and months about what I was going to ask him because I knew I would only have like 30 seconds to get his attention. Right. And so I asked him, I said, Pele, sir, uh, what was the greatest goal you've ever scored in, in your, in your life? Mm. And he like, he stopped writing and he looked up at me and he, he thought for a second, he really put his mm. mind to it. And he said, probably he looked at me and said, probably the goal against Sweden in the world cup. And so if you know anything about Pele, the goal that he scored in 1958 when he was only 16, when mm-hmm. they won the World Cup, he, the ball was crossed into him and he chested it mm-hmm. over the defender. And when it, when it came down on the other side of the defender, he full volleyed it. And he ended up scoring two goals in that game and they won the World Cup in 1950. Yeah. And that was actually what the movie – Pele, Birth of a Legend is about. It's like from when he was nine, mm-hmm. 16, when, you know, Brazil lost the World Cup uh, four years before that. They got upset and they everyone thought they were going to win it. And he was just a little boy at home. And Pele's father was, was a soccer player. Mm-hmm. And he told his father he was going to win the World Cup for him. And then it's like the whole movie of him, you know, playing for Santos and and eventually winning the world cup at 16. So 
when he scored that goal in the movie, if you've ever seen it, it's like the culmination of the movie. And you mm-hmm. kind of know what's going to happen because we right. know he did that. But when it happened in the movie theater, I'm telling you, and I'm not making this up, everyone stood up and clapped for five minutes. Wow. Non-stop. And Pele stood up in the back of the room where he was, and everyone was turned to him and just clapping. And I swear, at least half the room, if not more, was crying, like endlessly crying. And I was crying, of course, because, I mean, he's, he's the king. Yeah. And just, I knew that was just a moment in life as a footballer would never see again. And it was just an amazing time. So I was lucky enough to have his, his Jersey signed. And and obviously this is the place where it needs to be Mm. here in football heaven, as far as I'm concerned, because outside the window is, is the greatest, I think the best division three soccer stadium in probably in, in the United States now. Mm. Um, And if you get a chance, um, you should go on our website and check it out. But I think, you know, that moment is why, you know, my children are inspired to play and, you know, it keeps me inspired about the game is, Mm -hmm. you know, when you get to meet people like that. So just a, just a little side story. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, you would think uh, like, you know, if you told me before, you know, you had met Pele, I don't think I would have guessed it was because your sister debuted his film at the Tribeca Film Festival. So that that, that was definitely unique and interesting. Um, so uh, you've kind Good of story, already talked. You know, yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm blessed to have experienced it and thankful for, for that moment from my sister. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so uh, you, you've kind of talked about already, you know, your connections with Methodist. I was curious because I noticed like the contact information for a lot of people at your club is at Methodist. So it seems like y'all work there. Is there any sort of partnership you have with the university or is it just a matter of you, you all work there in soccer and that's your community. So that's the connection. Yeah, that's the connection. I mean, okay. we work, here, we worked here before the club was created. We'll work here while the club is in existence. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Brian and I, you know, we started the club from scratch and, you know, we, we think it helps the community and it gives mm-hmm. the people a choice to, to play. And so what the university has done for us only in a, in an indirect way supported us by allowing us to rent facilities. Um, more recently, we haven't been renting the facility because of the university raised the cost to rent the facility. Mm. So, and then of course the pandemic, we're not allowed to bring outside sources in, but hopefully, hopefully once we get past this, maybe in 21 at the end of the year, or maybe in 22, we could be back out onto the stadium and renting that every once in a while Mm -hmm. to give the kids an amazing experience, which I think we'll do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what we've always done really is, you know, we use local facilities that that the city allows us to rent. But obviously, we have the best facility in the city and probably one of the best stadiums in in the state, of course, for Division three. 
And there's a lot of amazing soccer stadiums in North Carolina in college, especially in Division One. I mean, there's some great stadiums out there, um, you know, just going looking at different stadiums that are out there. Obviously, Campbell has a great stadium, um, Wake Forest, um, UNCG. Um, there's some really cool stadiums out there, but Methodist has one of the most unique little stadiums you'll find out there. So there's no direct connection with Methodist, but in an indirect way because we work here, because we're able to, to rent facilities every now and then there has been support. They haven't turned us away, but they haven't, there's no direct connection really. Okay. Okay. I, I, I was curious. I figured maybe not, but also, I mean, just the fact that y'all are coaching, there is some indirect, like you said. So one question I always like to ask everybody uh, is how would you say your club measures success on and off the field? Yeah, I mean, I think we measure success only in how our players are developed. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, winning tournaments is always nice, and that's always great for the families and reward for the family's commitment. Um, but we're only measuring how we develop our players and coaches. And so recently, the, the league has put an initiative to have everybody get at least their grassroots licenses. Mm -hmm. And we are happy to see that and happy to see our coaches do that. And all of our coaches have gone to their D license. So that's important. And then, you know, seeing players develop and do well in high school, become prominent players in high school. Like for instance, um, Evan Eisenberger, who's a player who played for us all the way from when he was seven through high school and he was just named the all offensive player for the local conference was the leading scorer locally on players like Samuel who have gone on to play for North Carolina football club. And eventually he became the only player that signed professional mm -hmm. um, Hector Rodriguez is another player who's gone on to play for North Carolina football club Academy. He's gotten called into youth national team camps. Nice. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're doing that. There's smaller instances of that, you know, with players going on to play for different clubs at, at a lower level. But if we're producing players that are good enough to be chosen for other club teams in the state, we're obviously doing something right. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of clubs are trying to not let their players get stolen. Mm. You know, but we're obviously taking the the stance that if if I'm producing a player that's good enough to be on your team, we're doing something right. Yeah. And you're not going to steal my entire club because you just can't do that. Right. So if you take one or two players from us, that means we're doing the good things and we're doing the right things. And we're going to continue to take that kind of perspective that we're developing players and coaches. Mm -hmm. And that's where we find you know, that's where we find success. Well, sounds awesome to me. Um, I did notice on your website, you had a section dedicated to community outreach. Uh, w what is it that you guys are doing in the community, like with your players or as a club in general? Well, I mean, we're basically that's done in the summertime. Mm -hmm. We're having camps in the city and, you know, obviously 
kids have to pay to go to camp. Right. But we're using our players as we're using our players as um, staff. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're paying them obviously to be staff, but they're teaching the next generation of kids how to play. And that's like a priceless tool. You know, you can't put a money figure on that. And right. you know, when they get out there and physically have to run a session or coach a game and they're 14, 15, 16 year old, and they're wearing the Liberty point shirt, mm-hmm. um, the little kid who's six or seven looks up at them and sees that. And I think that type of community outreach, you know, is so important because someone did that for me when I was a kid. Right. And that's what I'm going to try to do for, for the kids of our community. Sounds awesome. Well, I think that's about all the questions I have for you. Is there anything about Liberty point that we haven't touched today that you'd like to let our listeners know? No, I mean, we have, we're full service. We have boys and girls, uh, we have a youth academy program that has five, six, and seven-year-olds in it. Uh, we have a program what we call Travel Light, which is kind of a medium between rec and full travel. Mm-hmm. So it's more localized. We're using that Travel Light program to play in communities because Fayetteville is a huge place. You know, you could, it could take you 40 minutes to drive across the city. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to bring the program to different parts of the city with travel light. So in Hope Mills and Eastover in the city center, we're having teams train in their locations and they're playing more localized, not traveling across the state. And at the end of the year, we're sending them to a big tournament in Greensboro. And then of course we have the full travel program all the way through high school ages. Mm-hmm that's playing in the CCL and going to big tournaments all over in South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia. So yeah, we're full service, but we're a small club. Um, that's always going to be a small club. That's always going to be run by soccer professionals. That's always going to be developing coaches and players to influence the community. And hopefully we can do that in a positive way. And, and I think we've proved that we can, and I think we'll just continue to do that in our own way. And it might be a small way, but it's it's definitely helped soccer in Fayetteville and North Carolina in general. And we're just proud to be members of the CCL and look forward to, to the future with the league. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Um, listeners, thank you for listening. My name's been Chris Davis, and you've been listening to Dive Into Development.